Hello, everyone, and welcome to the After Sunday Discussion. This is episode eight of the After Sunday Discussion, and I'm Cody Haggard, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is Mr. Josh Fauzi. What's up? So, Josh, how are you doing? How have you been since our last ASD where we talked about James Bond? How have you been? It's been a long... When was our last ASD? Last week? Two weeks? Yeah. It's been it's been it's been an interesting past week. I will just say that. It's been it's been a little crazy. What's the craziest thing that's happened? Oh, craziest thing that's happened. Um just with we got a lot of family health stuff going on, so that's just been a lot of craziness. Uh work has been insane, just moving positions and move cuz I got a promotion, so it's just been like I went from, I'm an accountant. Eh, I have a degree in accounting. I'm not working in account. Like I'm working in accounting, but I'm not really working in accounting. I'm learning like it's all system stuff. So, like I've had to learn a lot about information technology and computers. But you like that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's just, and I I love the challenge. But it has been just talk about a difference in perspective. <laughs> It's very different. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. That's cool. And, um, yeah, so I wanted to give Josh an opportunity just to talk, because we just recorded another podcast where I talked a whole lot on it. He so didn't talk I'm that take, much. I'm taking a little bit of break from the words for now, <laughs> let my let my palate recover, uh, hydrating on some water. And so I'm just going to get right into it. We got some things we're going to talk about this week. We're going to leave you surprised. We're not giving you the rundown at the beginning. We're going to keep this totally unpredictable. But Josh, we saw a movie last weekend. Yes, what movie we did we did. see? we did. We saw that movie. We saw it together with your wife. It was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I got out of the house with my wife without any children in my car. It was amazing. And we spent, that was a long, I, that movie was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Because we got to the movie theater at what, seven? And we yeah. didn't leave until almost, what, 10? It's those previews, man. Is like, it the, the previews? The movie was only two hours long, but I just felt like just previews went on forever. Oh, my goodness. See, I didn't feel like the previews went... Okay, the previews were kind of repetitive. Because I'm trying to think... What was the movie I saw before that? Anyway, I just remember I had seen a movie probably like three, four... Maybe maybe a month or two before this past showing, and a lot of the previews were the same. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I was like, okay, whatever. But we we all went and we saw Captain Marvel, Woo! the newest Marvel movie, and the one that is probably I don't know. It, it's the one before Endgame, so I mean, it made it's yeah. it. One thing that it did do is it made me stoked for Endgame. I just want to see how this all plays Did out. Did it? That movie made you stoked for Endgame? See, well, I felt okay. like it, it, it contributed nothing to my excitement for Endgame. Really? I was already excited. Well, I mean, I'm, I was already stoked, too, but I just finished what... Okay, a little background. So we went and saw Captain Marvel, and I went and watched Ant-Man and the Wasp because I still hadn't seen it. Oh, yeah. So just the ending, the end credit scene of... Captain Marvel and the end credit scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp are just like, okay, this is going to be ridiculous. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting because I've heard a lot of conversation about that movie. I've had a lot of conversations about that movie. I've heard a lot of opinions about that movie. 
Um, what do you think about the movie? Well, so my first my first takeaway from the movie was it was entertaining. It was good. I actually I thought that I thought Brie Larson was 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 a really good fit for the role. I've I've heard some things that on set she's difficult to work with, but I don't know if any of that's true or whatever. But that did not come through in the movie. She did a nice job. Samuel L. Jackson was fantastic. As always. I can't get over, dude. I can't get over. Like how they just successfully made him 20 years younger. Right? <laughs> it is bizarre, and it is weird. But it but came it was cool. off as natural. It did. <laughs> I think it's all CGI. I, I is, think it's a lot of makeup, too. I, I think there's some makeup, but I have heard that that was majority CGI. Isn't that he looked, crazy? He looked younger than he did in Pulp Fiction. Bizarre. I don't know if he would look that young. No, he looked young. Because, you know, they still had some gray in his hair. Yeah, but they didn't have the wrinkles. Okay. Yeah, they did somehow get rid of all of his wrinkles, all of his aging. Mm-hmm. It was impressive. It okay. was just really impressive. Okay, you want to talk about so making people look younger? I did not appreciate how they handled Phil Coulson. <laughs> it didn't work as well with him. The hair was terrible. Yeah. Because I feel like they they put all the money in the CGI of Samuel L. Jackson, none into I know his first name's Greg. I can't remember his last name, but like, do you think part of that could have been that they maybe weren't originally planning on him being in the movie? And kind they of they weren't originally planning on him. being I don't in the movie? know. I'm don't speculating. Know. I'm speculating. I don't know because it kind of seemed like there was definitely a different level of quality. To how they de-aged Samuel L. Jackson, to how they de-aged. I'm sorry, I can't. I don't know. Well, the guy's is, it, name. is it because is he wasn't Coulson? in the movie much? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I it was interesting though because did you watch Agents of Shield at all? No, I mean okay. I've seen some episodes. I think Haas watched some of it. It's just show. I just I couldn't I couldn't get into. And you know me, Josh. Yeah. It's just really hard for me to get into a show, right? Because I just I get really impatient with them. Mm-hmm. But I will say. The one thing I will say about this movie is it really did tie in the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, really, really well to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I understand, like, that TV show is supposed to be taking place, or was was supposed to be taking place kind of, like, in the background of everything that was going on. And you kind of saw, like, like Avengers, the stuff that was going on in uh, Thor The Dark World. You saw a little bit in Season 2. What was going on in Avengers 2 was taking place during the, at the same time as the series finale. So, like, you kind of understood, like, you knew that it was going on. But, like, the stuff that was in this movie was, were all, were very much things that were in the first season of the show. Yeah. Um, especially with, like, the whole Cree blood thing and whatever. Oh, that's cool though. Well, that's I, I cool mean, for people who watch the show, right? Yeah, and it was great. But it was—I thought the movie was re- really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I had had conversations with a good friend about just hey, let's reception. let's avoid spoilers, just okay. just yeah, because there might be people who haven't seen it yet who want to. <laughs> right. We'll avoid spoilers. Um, there because we had, so talking with a really good friend about. Just the movie, and we we had a conversation before we both saw the movie, because we had read articles on Christian websites criticizing the movie, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that made us want to see the movie more. Yeah. Um. And after seeing the movie, I did not agree with a, a lot of the things that they were saying. Yeah. Um. Because I didn't see it. 
Yeah. Like, and I think part of it is it, it depends on whether or not you were paying attention to the publicity around the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, there was publicity around the movie. I don't know if you looked into the Brie Larson quote about what she said about Wrinkle in Time and all that. Did you hear about that? No. Basically, Wrinkle in Time didn't do well critically on Rotten Tomatoes. And she came out saying a statement that she didn't think that 40-year-old white men should be judging that movie. She doesn't care what they think. And then she gave out this idea of how the critics should be segmented of of like a an even split of white men, white women, African American women, uh, African American men, and then other races, things like that. She actually she she articulated it well in this speech, but I think it came across as um really it came across as activist. And whenever you go activist, I mean you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to upset certain people. And Marvel came out saying that she was going to be a feminist icon, the most powerful uh, character in the Marvel universe, and. And, and, you know, these are stories going on around the movie. And me personally, feminist icon, I I immediately think, like, that's going to trigger people. Mm -hmm. That's going to trigger people. And and to be honest, I got to admit, I watched the movie and I thought that the political agendas in there were done in a in a respectful way. I don't think it was crammed down your throat in any type of way, but for those who were looking for it and wanted to read into it, it was there. Mm-hmm. And for those who were going, especially like younger audiences, it just they mm-hmm. saw the action, they yeah. saw the entertainment. And, and I mean, come on, let's think about it this way. If there there's a lot of women out there and a lot of girls out there who love the Marvel movies. And it's great to have a movie with a female lead. Now, mm-hmm. you don't have to agree with everything about feminism. You mm-hmm. don't have to agree with everything about a certain political identity or a certain social agenda. But come on, let's 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 say, hey, we, we have a female lead superhero. This was a well-done movie. I actually thought the plot twist in the movie was cool, especially being a comic fan. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that, right? that was... That was cool. I like that take. I actually want them to expand on that mm-hmm. take and see where they take it. And so, um, so I thought, like, you know, after thinking about this, we saw this about a week ago. Like, hey, you know, people who are going to get upset about the politics around the movie, it's like, what, let's let's try and think about, like, appreciating this movie for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty fun movie. Now, I would say it's still a middle of the road Marvel movie. Because that just some of them are just so well done. Right. Just it's yeah. it's become hard to to rank these. There, things and there's so point. many of them. Yeah. Um, but I I do think it's a fun movie. I think the plot is a little bit weak at points. Um, but the, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. I would have liked. A, it was a good origin story. Yeah. Well, I disagree. Well. Okay, why do you disagree? I wanted better character development. I thought that the character progression and development was really messy. It was messy. I wanted to know more about Carol Danvers. And I feel like they stretched out, and I'm not going to say any spoilers, they stretched out this this character progression over a long time, so you felt like she was changing, developing. But really, it was like, we're going to... Put talking, you on this journey, and then bam, we're gonna but, throw all the information on it. But 
I'm saying this as just nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. Yeah. Like this right. is not me saying it's bad or anything. Because it does, it does really remind me of um, Ant Man, or or even uh, which I think is only okay. Ant Man is only okay. Yeah, to me. but it was it was here's a character that's going to be in the next movie, give you the basic details that you need to know about them so it makes sense. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of how I felt like the movie came off as like here's a quick intro and we know that carol danvers is going to be around for a while in the marvel cinematic universe we're going to see exactly what they did kind of with tony stark where yeah he had a solo movie and then they're going to expand it more and more and then you're gonna have this really crazy long character development through multiple movies yeah. And I think that's what Marvel's approach is going to be yeah. on the on the character. But I thought the I thought the movie was it was a good time to go see, and yep. I will probably yeah. watch it again. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited about uh, Endgame. But the, you you know something that we I did have a conversation about. It was very reminiscent of Wonder Woman. It reminded me a lot of Wonder Woman. I don't want to go down that road too much. I know, I know, I know. Be- because here's here's what I thought. I was like, all right. So immediately my mind went to Wonder Woman. And then I'm, I I asked myself, I was like, Cody, are you being sexist right now? I know. And, and that's a real thing. That's a real thing I'm going to say. It, am I just being yeah. sexist right now? And I think a little bit, right? Yeah. A little bit. Of course you're going to jump to the to the female... Well, led okay. superhero the, the movie reason, of the other universe. That's true, but the reason that that got that comparison got brought up at our house was my sister hadn't seen the movie, and the first question she asked me was, "Which was better, Captain Marvel or Wonder Woman?" Which got into this whole debate over storyline and plot of the movies, and they were comes to find out they're pretty reminiscent (laughs) yeah and here's here's what i'll say okay the comparison is they're two female-led superhero movies in the modern superhero movie era that is where that is where we see the relationship if you want to know my opinion on wonder woman versus captain marvel i thought wonder woman had a better story throughout the movie I, I really liked how the movie progressed in Wonder Woman from beginning to end. I hated the end of Wonder Woman. I, and I every right. time I watch the movie, I'm like, man, they have like they have like seven eighths of a fantastic film. Right. What is going on here? But that was the thing is like I liked the mm-hmm. ending of Captain Marvel. Exactly. <laughs> and Captain Marvel for me was like beginning great middle a, a little slow it's mm-hmm. a slow middle which is fine but the I mean, movie starts with a bang and it's great but but there's there's a twist in there that's really interesting that i think saved the middle of the movie and and here's the thing is that if you're a comic fan it's it i think the twist is a little crazier yeah just be careful what you say be careful what you I say know. I know. um so but anyway, I thought that the movie ended really well. I know there's some people who are big Marvel fans who are nervous, like, is Carol too powerful? Is, like, how is this going to affect Endgame? And what I'll say about Endgame is I don't I don't care how they do away with Thanos. We all know they've got to do away with Thanos. What 
however it happens. I don't care if it's a punch in the face from Captain Marvel or Scarlet Witch, you know, blowing him up or whatever it's going to be. What I really want to see is I want to see a nice closing of the chapter for for the characters that got me excited about this movie franchise. A nice a nice last chapter for Steve Rogers, for Tony Stark, for Bruce Banner, for Black Widow. I mean, and who's to say these people won't show back up, but there's this feeling around the movie that this is their right. last chapter. And, and you know what? I, I know I don't know about you, Josh, but I actually like when stories end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why TV can be frustrating to me mm-hmm. because they don't they don't always develop with the end in mind. They just develop with getting as many episodes out as possible because they right. need to make money. Whereas I really like that in Endgame, we know that a chapter is ending of this story. Mm-hmm. And Did you all, see the proposed runtime for Endgame? No. Three hours. Amazing. I love long <laughs> movies. They... They said, they said the the runtime for Endgame will be close to three hours. Oh, I and, hope so. And pe- like I was reading some of the forums today, and they were like, people were either like super excited, and they're like, this is gonna be awesome and epic. We're finally gonna get like a full like conclusive story because of the runtime. And then there were, there were people who were like, I don't want to sit in the movie theater for three hours. Oh, man, dude, I love long movies. <laughs> Although I, I would, like, if you're one of those people who you're drinking a big soda or whatever. <laughs> you're going to want to go to the restroom, you're right? You're going to have to find a point to get into the restroom. But, I mean, I love long movies. That's kind of right. that. We'll, we'll get into that topic yeah. in, a, in a few minutes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... I like I don't know about you, Josh, but what just matters to me most with Endgame is like this is gonna be the final chapter for some of the most iconic superhero characters in film history, if not ever, and I just want it to be done well, and I want it to to be a nice, respectful way of saying like, hey, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Mark Ruffalo. Scarlett Johansson, Crims Hemsworth, you guys have put in a huge amount of your lives into this film franchise, and we just want to say thank you. So give them a good ending. That's all I care right. about. And, and end the chapter well. And and I honestly think Marvel is going to do that. So anybody who's worried that Endgame's not going to be good, don't worry. I, right. think, it, I think they know. They know what's at stake. Right. So, But final thoughts on Captain Marvel before we move on to... Our main topic. Uh, final thoughts for me. Um, so I will rank it on the score of uh, rent it, go to the theater, or skip it. And okay. I will say rent it. It's definitely a movie that you have to see. Now, anyone who's listened to this probably's already seen it if you have mm-hmm. any interest in Captain Marvel. I definitely think it's worth seeing. Not necessarily worth going to the theater and here's why I say that because I think when it came out in the theater, they've tied it to being so close to Endgame that they make you feel like it's going to have a huge contribution to Endgame. However, if you can't make it for some reason, don't worry. I don't think you're missing out on any major Endgame stuff. But Endgame comes out, as of recording, Endgame comes out in five weeks. Yeah. Which I don't think it, I don't think Captain Marvel is going to be out of theaters before Endgame. Probably not. So you, probably not. If you want to catch it, you're probably going to have to see it in theaters. Yeah, yeah, you will have to see it in theaters. But 
Um, and that's how they get you. But it's definitely a movie that's that's worth seeing, worth watching. And I would say that if you have uh, a family who likes these things, it's it's a good it's a good family time. And they're fun movies, and they're good things. Like, I have a blog post going up here soon in the next day or two that talks about faith and fiction as conversation starters. And and this is definitely a movie that you would want to see and, and potentially use as a conversation starter. And so, so that's my final thought. What about you, Josh? I thought it was an it was a fun movie. Um, there was a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed about it. I do. Most of the, there are some movies that I've I will say I regret going to the theaters to watch. This was a movie that I was very happy to go to the theaters and watch it, and um, definitely watch it. Uh, if you're worried about just any like uber feminist propaganda in it, it's not really in it. I think people are blowing it out of the water, honestly. And I thought they the what the points that they did want to make, I think they did in a pretty decent way. And can I just say this? Like, it, it, maybe you're not a feminist. And I know for me personally, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a feminist. But at the same time, like, like feminist ideas in and of themselves are not, are not bad. Right. I think where feminism gets off the wrong path is when, um, when it goes from being let's take down the patriarchy to make a matriarchy. Then it's just, it's just flipping the problem upside down. Whereas I I think a a society where men and women learn how to live and work together. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the ideal. Well, uh, okay. Can can I talk about one little thing Mm -hmm. that I want to mention? Of course. Uh, Okay. So in the movie, there's a cat call. Okay. And it, as guys, we ne- like as guy as Christian guys, we would never do something like that. No, I've never cat called um, a woman in my life. Never will. No, neither have I. However, I was discussing this with my sister and a friend uh, who is a female, and both of them have been cat called. And like when and I probably by a gentleman they had no interest in. Exactly. Yeah. And um and. And I was talking to my friend, and she was just like, "I've been, like, I've heard worse on the streets, walking down the streets." And it's, and it's something that happens. And when it comes to the movie, when it when it tries to make it point, its point, does it actually raise legitimate things and re- legitimate issues that need to be addressed, that need to be need to have a light shine on them. And I think they did it in a way that it it blended into the story so well. That you, like, it wasn't as, like, yeah, there were a couple blatant messaging. But a lot of it was very, very much just kind of, yeah, it's there. And if you want to read into it, it's there. If you don't, if you just want to gloss over it, you can easily gloss over it and just count it towards the story. And I think, th- I think that's what the movie did well. And um, just going back to, like, the one article I read by, it was a Christian website. I was just like they they really pulled like after seeing the movie and reading the article like they really they really stretched it to make their point. Yeah, and, I think I think so. I think anyone who who thinks this movie is overly aggressive or anything like that, I think is a little off base. Um, and also what I, what I'll say too is is talking about this is 
when when we get to a point of where we are boycotting watching a film reading a book but yet we're wanting to talk about it but you haven't seen it and you're making assumptions about it i i think i think you're you're doing the world a disservice by by talking about things you don't know. So so what I will say is if you get involved in any type of controversial topic, know the material. Know the material before you jump in because you know going into this movie I'm like, man, what am I going to what am I going to see? Like I've heard so much stuff and then I watch the movie and I'm like it seemed it seemed really like a normal Marvel right. movie to me. Yeah. Like and what? Uh, and another thing too. And Josh, you have been reading reading a lot of classics. I've read a lot of classics. I love the classics. And think about it this way: think we think about like George Orwell's 1984, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Think about if society boycotted reading those types of things mm-hmm. because it was like, no, socialism right. and communism is totally fine. And when we don't allow ourselves to at least think through the process of an artist's portrayal of certain issues, then then I think we do we do the conversation and, and we do the world a disservice. Um, now, if there was like totally grotesque and offensive things in this movie, we would tell you. And there's not. And, you know, I actually think creativity is the best place to have these conversations. So with that, with that, we're going to talk about a very creative individual and this universe, this literary universe that he created. I'm so and excited. Cody absolutely loves this. Like, honestly, he brings it up every opportunity he can. He has multiple copies. He's played the video games. He's seen the movies. He has a card game based on it. Like, this is... And it's it's a very popular literary series, and you guys know it as Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, so that's what we're going to probably talk about the rest of the time that we're together, um, because nice. knowing Cody, he's going to talk about this for a while. So, little background, real quick. I haven't read the books. I know I'm a terrible heathen who okay. is it's a okay. terrible it's person. Okay. I, but you have read all the books multiple times. Multiple times, yes. So, big question: Why do you love Lord of the Rings? Oh man! So I think I think the best way for me to start this, and and the reason why we're talking about this on the after Sunday discussion is this is where it, if you guys haven't picked up on it to this point. After Sunday discussion, Josh and I talk about whatever we want. Like it, it's we talk about whatever we want. There is a very, very, very vague agenda of like maybe a word or two written down on a word document, and that's the after Sunday discussion. And literally, it's like a little bracketed like line on a yeah. calendar. Like I told Josh, we were doing Captain Marvel reviews before I hit the record button. Like that's kind of how it went. Okay, so so when did you get it introduced to? Lord of the Rings. Well, it started with the movies. I was in okay. fourth grade. I was interested in the movies because I actually a good friend of mine um, was was very interested in the movies. He and I were really close friends growing up, 
and and his mom had bought him the books because the movie was coming out and his mom had really liked the books as a kid and was like oh this movie's coming out and I want my son to read the books before the movie comes out and so my friend was reading these books so that's kind of how I found out about the movie The Fellowship of the Ring and and he began telling me kind of how this story went and it's about these little people with furry feet who um hobbits yes who are going on this adventure and they meet these very fantastical characters like warrior men and elves and dwarves and they go through dungeons and fight goblins and orcs and all this stuff and i'm like man this is amazing because i don't know if i've mentioned it on this podcast but i'm just i'm like a total nerd Uh, Um, he's the biggest geek in the world and, and i actually i like to call myself an undercover nerd because i really i don't i don't think that i've ever really portrayed myself as super geeky like outwardly right you know i i i played sports in high school and oh look at me i'm talking like a jock now right. i played sports <laughs> in high school i hung out with the cool kids you know like but he did like <laughs> i i uh yet he had the secret obsession that nobody knew about called lord of the rings oh dude it wasn't even just lord of the rings my geekdom actually started that me and my brothers loved playing the final fantasy games as kids oh yeah like, he's been trying to get me into that i do, do. ah guys i downloaded was, the that that demo you wanted me to yeah. i just have never yes. been able to play it Every yes. time I go to play it, there's an update. Yeah, that happens. It's, it's <laughs> online games, but it's yeah, that's kind of where my geekdom started. Uh, obviously, that just segues into being a Harry Potter fan. And I read this uh, another series I really liked. I liked the Dungeons and Dragons book series called Dragonlance. And it's so just a total nerd. I, I just I'm drawn to fantasy. I think fantasy is is very fun. Uh, so anyway, I was super excited about these movies coming out, especially when my friend was telling me about these books. And then I didn't even know. I didn't even know until maybe a week or two before the movie came out that this was a sequel to The Hobbit. Now, The Hobbit I had read. And The Hobbit okay. I, I had read because we had this old cartoon DVD that anyone who knows Lord of the Rings knows about this Hobbit Hobbit animated movie. It's actually pretty good. And I'm trying to remember the name of the, the guys who put it on, but I can't. And I'm sorry about that, Lord of the Rings fans out there. You are probably ashamed of me right now. But good animated films, and, and I knew the animated film, and, and we had that growing up. I loved watching it, so I read The Hobbit when I was in, like, I was in, like, third grade when I read The Hobbit. And okay. Like, in third grade, kids were not reading The Hobbit yet, which is interesting because Tolkien wrote which, for children. Wait a second. Didn't The Hobbit, didn't Tolkien write The Hobbit after Return of the King? No. No? No, 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 no. Okay. Hobbit, Hobbit was written... <laughs> The Hobbit was written. <laughs> the Hobbit was written um, before Lord of the Rings, about okay. ten years before it, or okay. so. Because the Hobbit came out, I think, in the late thirties, and and Lord of the Rings was released in the early fifties. Okay, all right. So uh, your buddy tells you about this book that he's reading. You know the movie's coming out. Did you go see the movies in theaters? Yes. Okay. So anyway, I went to see the movie in the theaters. And my dad took me, and my dad's not really into this kind of stuff, but okay. he took me to the movie theater, and I remember just like for this three-hour movie, I was totally entranced. I, I, was a, I was like a 10, 11-year-old kid at the time and just totally into this film. Man, you, got, you watch the movies, Fellowship of the Ring, 
and Two Towers and Return of the King. These are movies that are almost 20 years old now, but oh my goodness, visually they still look so good. So much work put into making these movies feel like they took place in a real world. It was it was incredible for the time, still is incredible. I actually think the movies visually hold up more than the Hobbit films. Don't yes, get me started. They have, yeah. um, really, really. Don't get me started. <laughs> Um, Benedict Cumberbatch didn't redeem that movie for you? He was the best part of that movie. <laughs> and that's about it. No, I take that back. Martin Freeman was a great Bilbo Baggins. But it, it, anyway, anyway, marketing is what destroyed that movie. Okay. That, that, that franchise, because of marketing, they wanted it to be a trilogy, and it just destroyed it. That needed to be one movie. Two, maybe. So anyway, a tangent over. Saw this movie, <laughs> loved it. Got the books for Christmas and um, read the books very slowly because the Lord of the Rings are not necessarily fourth grade reading material. However, I did make it through all of the books before the Two Towers came out. So I read the Lord of the Rings as a fourth grader. Then I went back and read it as a seventh grader. Then I went back and read it when I was in high school. And then I've gone back and read it post-college. So I've read the books a handful of times. I love the books. I've seen the films. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I when. So the way that my brother and I operate was just super into just watching the same movies over and over. I think Fellowship of the Ring, well, it was two discs when it came out. Uh, I think... Uh, the Fellowship of the Ring was in the DVD player for months at a time. Okay. It just never left. It was just like, let's turn on a movie. Okay, Fellowship. Like it just, <laughs> That's how it was, man. And I Now, love here's it. the question. Have you ever done the marathon? No. No, no? I've never done the marathon. Mm-mm. Oh, my goodness. The You haven't done the – have you seen the extended cuts? I haven't. Josh. Okay, Josh. That's a dumb question. Do I need I'm to pu- do I need to pull them out of the <laughs> the drawer over there? Or? So, like I, I'm trying to remember when I got into like when I f- first saw the movie. It wasn't I didn't see any of them in theaters. It was way lo- it was way after they all came out, and uh, it was oh I remember now. My buddy in college he goes, dude, you got to watch these movies. Okay. We're watching the extended cuts. Okay. We're doing a marathon. The extended cuts are like four hours long each. They are long. (laughs) All I know is that we spent an entire day with nothing but Lord of the Rings playing nonstop on the TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And they were great. Yeah. It might have been my freshman year of college. I was just like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? <laughs> and, and like, I know a lot of people who, you know, they always say the book is better than the movie and all this. And I do. I enjoy the books more than the movies. However, my goodness, if it was not for these movies, I would not have probably loved the books as much. And, and I'm so thankful that these movies came out, especially when they came out. Because it was like the prime impressionable time in my life to really enjoy a piece of media. And it just, it was great. Uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed all of them. And I still enjoy all of them. All right. So I'm going to ask a question. And this might be controversial, but I have no idea. 
If you could pick one character from the series that is your favorite, who would it be? Oh, that's that's not even that hard of a question. Um, I, my favorite character in this series is Sam. Okay, definitely. I think Why? I think Sam has the closest representation of a hero's journey that we can relate to. Sam leaves the Shire as this pretty apprehensive hobbit and has no idea what he's getting himself into. None of the hobbits really do, uh, except for Frodo, because he was smart and he read books and stuff. And the movie doesn't portray this stuff good at all. But um, but with, with Sam, though, I think Sam is a good portrayal. And you have, you have this character who just is a good friend. He's, he's faithful to his friend and... When it comes time for him to have to step in and take on his friend's task, he does. And basically, Frodo... Uh, guys, Lord of the Rings spoilers. I can't talk about these <laughs> these stories without spoilers. When Frodo fails his journey from putting the ring into mortal... Because ultimately, that's something we have to look at when we look at the Lord of the Rings. It is actually a story where the main protagonist, Frodo Baggins, fails evil wins in that moment but because sam not having to carry the ring for so long not having to have the ring on him for so long was still with himself and able to at least get frodo in a position where where he was able to kind of fight it off a little bit and and you know thankfully to to luck Gollum falls into the the pit and and burns up the ring in mount doom but but even though frodo failed sam was still there for him as his friend and the first person there when he finally came to and woke back up after unconsciousness and and it's just it's a story of someone who with each challenge grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and had the capacity to do just a little bit more and goes back to the Shire, becomes mayor of the Shire, has a gigantic family, like nine kids or something <laughs> like that. And it's just kind of a, like a charming end to to the story. But yeah, Sam, for sure. I, okay. I, I love I love Sam's character arc. Did it, you were there any characters that you liked better in the movies than in the books? No, and that's hard because typically it's it's a lot harder to develop a character well in a movie than it is a book because mm. you spend so much more time with the characters in a book. I don't even I don't even necessarily think it's like a fair comparison. Mm. Um, but no, there's not a character who I like anymore. In fact, I actually think Aragorn's character in the movies they made him much different because the actual character of Aragorn in the books is not as dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's actually he's actually very much like from the beginning when they leave um, Rivendell, right? They leave, they go on the journey. Like Aragorn's all in. He's like, yes, let's go to Gondor. That's where we're gonna go. Like I'm I'm going to become king. This is part of the plan. He's got he's got the the king's sword, Isild, um Elendil from the beginning of this journey. You know, he's mm-hmm. he is um He's an all-in, man. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't say that. It's not Elendil. It's Anduril. I'm sorry, guys. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm messing up my Lord of the Rings lore here. It's I'm, almost midnight. I'm shaming myself. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love these I love these stories. And um, I think one of the things, too, that 
I'll say for anyone who's not a total Lord of the Rings nerd, kind of bring it more to like a general population rel- relatability here, is that something that Tolkien was really good at with Lord of the Rings is he wrote what he referred to as applicability. Do you know what applicability is, Josh, or what I mean Just when I say Just explain it. So anyway, applicability, um, he, because he f- combated against allegory, because he didn't want people to read his work and think like this is an allegory for World War One, an allegory for the Industrial Era, all those things, even though there are elements of it that it's like it seems pretty obvious. But he, he wrote with applicability in mind a story that would be relatable for uh, people of many different eras, people of many different times, so that there was always applications of the story in relations to real life rather than being a direct allegory of a certain time or a certain concept or a certain person. So, Is there is there an aspect of Lord of the Rings that you like that wouldn't be considered mainstream when it comes to... Because Lord of the Rings... Okay. Do you want to explain... Okay, so... J.R.R. Tolkien, I didn't know this until recently. There are ages. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently we're living in the the fourth age? Yeah. Okay. So the third age is when all the stories, at least the main stories, happen, right? Yeah, that's when the Lord of the Rings takes place within the third age. Okay. But, like, he has a book. He's got books of, like, history the Silmarillion is is one of the books that has a bunch of different stories about Middle Earth's history, but then there's like history of Middle Earth, there's unfinished tales, there's a whole bunch of things that he's written that have been edited and and published by his son Christopher. But um, but yeah, there's the first. So most of what you have written is about the first age, mm-hmm. not a whole lot about the second age, and then the third age is the time period in which Lord of the Rings takes place at the end of the third age. So after Ring goes into Mordor, fourth age starts. Okay. So <clears throat> interesting. So yeah, and as far as like aspects of Lord of the Rings that most people don't like um i wouldn't even say that don't like or that might be more obscure just things that like aren't on their radar yeah one thing i i've done and think is extremely fascinating most people will just read the books and be done but there's this whole long appendix section at the end of the third book of the lord of the rings is it really yeah there's there's uh tons of appendixes i believe it goes from a through f and i love those it's just it's straight up like reading a a dictionary or an encyclopedia of of Middle Earth, but it's I think it's great. I think it's fascinating. I love looking at like all the family trees that he's made and all that stuff. It's like man, this guy like really cared about his story <laughs> just a ton. So, you you know you bring up Lord of the Rings a lot, right? Yeah, I know. I'm aware. I have tried to bring it up less. Because uh-huh. I, I feel like it's just, there's so many illustrations there that I could use it all day, all the time. Mm-hmm. But I tr- I've been trying to curb it. Okay. Uh, at least in, especially the church. Ever since I read that one Babylon B article, <laughs> I've really tried to. <laughs> really Do you want to synopsize this Babylon B article? Because it was hilarious. Uh, was, I don't even know if I could give a good was, synopsis of it. It was basically me. It was um, you. It was, but, and for anyone who doesn't know, the Babylon B is a satire website. But this this article was explaining me. 
wake up call a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I just I use a lot of illustrations from the book. The book is um, fantastic. The movies are fantastic. I use a lot of just illustrations because I think with a Tolkien being a Roman Catholic, he obviously has religious influence in his own life. And there's so many illustrations and portrayals of of uh, faith-based themes in there. Mm-hmm. You know, even even camaraderie, friendship, faithfulness, evil. There's so much in there that there, you could talk about for days. Um, but yeah, I also think another thing that I get into that I just get sucked into is I'm also into a lot of the uh, the offshoot Lord of the Rings things, like board games, for example. Oh, yes. I know what you want to talk about right now. So you... Okay, do you want to talk about the MMORPG that you played for a long time? Or do you want to talk about that living card game that you play? Well, we'll just kind of wrap them both together. Okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things made for Lord of the Rings. There's an, an MMORPG, which is an online RPG where you just play with a bunch of other people. You go on your own quest through Middle Earth. It's fantastic. It's great. It's a good time. It actually it kind of bottlenecked itself. I, I didn't make it all the way through to like the level cap but uh you played that for a very yeah long i think time. i think my brother and i we played how it for many, about three four years how many hours did you i can't that? say that online <laughs> yes you can i cannot say, say that online it was more than a hundred hours i was just talking about on the other wait, podcast no. my time management issues i cannot divulge this information wait, wait. on the discussion no oh it was more than 100 hours. Yes, it was. It was a lot more than 100 hours. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> when when we found out, also, we were like... Also, like, I don't think my wife knows about this, so I would have to talk to her about it first. <laughs> Maybe next week, guys. <laughs> All I know is that we were looking through his Steam account and looking at the playtimes that they had listed, and it was by far the most played thing on his computer yeah it was played quite a bit it got it definitely got its mileage uh, you got your money's worth out of it i that's sure did sure. that's so, definitely a fact so let's talk about this this card game that you keep on trying to get me to learn yeah yeah so basically this is a card game that is cooperative meaning that you can play you basically you play against the game you're not competing against another player but you and another player get together and you play against the game and you have to go through all these different question scenarios that are all Lord of the Rings based, and you make different decks, you do super duper nerdy things, and you work together to try and just like beat uh, orcs and make it through dungeons and explore different places. Get and, gold and... and it's fun. It's just a good time, and I really like card games. And so I'd spent, oh my goodness, man, a lot of my life playing that game as well. And I'm actually at a point where I haven't played it in a while. Um, but, but a a thing about it for me is that Lord of the Rings, it was such, it was such an important thing for my childhood. Um, and I think that's why I connect with it more. Some kids are Star Wars kids and, and other kids might be, uh, you know, Marvel kids. We're going to have Marvel kids, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're still yet to really like the Marvel kids are now adults. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so if you saw iron man at age 10 that person is now 20 and so now the the marvel kids are growing up and that has a certain effect on, on culture and you know it's kind of sad now because we're we're at a point where lord of the rings is out of the mainstream and it's a bummer to me because like 
my children won't experience it the same way as I did. But well, here's a question: Do you think they'll ever remake the movies? I'm sure at some point they will, but those movies hold up so well. I know they they, they just they hold up so well, and I'm not saying that as just a totally unbiased person and there are people who i i know who will directly disagree with me on this but the lord of the rings trilogy is one of if not the best film trilogies ever made period like i know i'm a fan i know i'm a little biased but as far as you go about quality throughout the series time put into the series like it is one of the best film trilogies ever made, and I think Fellowship of the Ring, the very first one, is a complete masterpiece, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, the awards kind of agree with you at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's so frustrating, too, that Return of the King won as many awards as it did, mm-hmm. because, to be honest, it's not the best movie in the series. Uh, it's good, but the first the first one, Fellowship of the Ring, is the best movie in the series, and I understand not everyone agrees with that. People who want more of an action movie are going to like the latter two, but the very first Lord of the Rings movie is the best one in the series. It should have won all the awards that the third one did. They just didn't give it awards because they knew it was going to be a trilogy and that they couldn't give all the Oscars to Lord of the Rings every single year because it would it would have won Best Picture every year. Okay. I mean, if you go back and you look at the movies that won Best Picture instead of Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers, I think one of them was like the movie Chicago, and it's like, who's watching Chicago now? Yeah. No, no one, one cares. Like, yeah. like, that movie wasn't even that good when it came out, you know? Sorry, well, my, my biased fandom is coming out now. Yeah, but the, the, the Oscars and the Golden Globes and the Academy, it's just... I think they're a little biased anyway. Yeah, I mean, although I am really excited to see The Green Book, the movie that, okay. that won Best Picture this year. Okay. Looks like a legitimately good one. Obviously, Lord of the Rings guy in there, Viggo Mortensen. So a little biased mm-hmm. there. But True. at the same time, from what I saw, from what I have looked up on the movie, it's... Okay. It's not just it's not just Academy back scratching, which is what frustrates me about the Academy Awards. What frustrates me about awards season in general is it's just like who cares? <laughs> like I don't. Care. I did pick up Bohemian Rhapsody just because Rami Malek is kinsman, and I need to take a look at at that movie. Yeah, yeah and you are a Queen fan. You like? Queen. I love Queen. Yeah. Don't get me started on Queen. But anyway, so next podcast, next episode no, discussion. No. Why does Josh like Queen so much? Can Christians like Queen? Ooh, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting yeah. debate. Yeah. Ooh. Like we could get into all kinds of murky waters. Like I've been thinking about all the things we could talk about on here and uh-huh. raking coals. Like if we really wanted to like start to push buttons, there's just like some <laughs> super duper easy avenues to go down. But I'm just really not that kind of person. Can Christians However, be a fan of Freddie Mercury? Yeah. Or the Beatles. Yeah. That's interesting. Or Bob Marley. Oh, dude, Bob Marley. I mean, he's a he's a Christian. What? <laughs> he talks about Jesus all the time in his music, man. He was blazed out of his mind, but that doesn't matter. I just, he had the most deadpan look on his face when he said that, that I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Honestly, though, Rastafarians, man, it's a weird practice. And I don't, I, you know what? I don't know if Bob Marley was a Rastafarian. I'm sorry for saying that. I have no idea. Um, 
But yeah, he talks about God and stuff and his, his music and Holy Mount Zion and stuff like that. It's all in there, dude. I love Bob Marley. Um, so Man, I want to have that discussion now, right? Like, is it okay for Christians to listen to music that's not okay? I, I don't know. I, I don't You're know. You're the either. pastor here. So. It, it's, it's a tough decision. See, I have started to avoid listening to music with any type of words in it. So, so like, it, you know, yeah, I, listen, you, you I listen to orchestra firm. and I listen to techno a whole lot. So it's, it's like, but there was a very long period of time where like there was some interesting rap. Yeah. Yeah, man. I listened to a lot. Of, I listened to a lot of hip hop. I listen to mostly Christian hip hop and, you know, 90s mm-hmm. hip hop and stuff like that. But yeah. man, I mean, there's no getting around it, dude. Like 90s gangster rap. I mean, there's, it's not all that redeemable. No. I mean, it's hard to make an argument for that. It just, it's <laughs> some good stories in there. <laughs> so going back to Lord of the Rings and getting off of that tangent. Josh gets really stressed out when we get off topic. I can see it in his face. <laughs> just... I'm sorry. It's just, I like, I don't know, whatever. I'm just messing with you. I'm messing so, with you. So... J.R.R. Tolkien. John Ronald Rule. Is that really what it's John Ronald Rule. You got to say that from now on for the rest of the podcast. John Ronald Rule yep. Tolkien. Yep. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong. So, he was a World War II infantry officer. I believe one. World War One. Sorry. Yeah. It was World War One. I. I knew that. So... He took. He wrote. He started writing Lord of the Rings after the war, but was somewhat reflective of his experiences in the war. Well, as the uh, as the story goes, he actually carried a little bit of a book uh, around with him okay. during even during the the war. It's just an idea book where he's constantly like writing mm-hmm. ideas in it. I can't remember exactly uh, his first writings, but. As far as legend goes, the first thing he wrote was actually when he was in the trenches of World War One. he wrote something about the fall of Gondolin. And that's okay. the first like Middle Earth influence thing he ever okay. wrote. Um, so, but- so he wrote, and like I've heard that the character of Sam is based off of his assistant while like his officer's assistant. Careful. Now you're talking about allegory, man. Uh, and Tolkien was like, I'm not an allegory guy. Okay, so... So he 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 lives he, he survives World War One, he leaves the military. He starts writing Lord of the Rings, while he's a professor at Oxford. Correct? I can't remember if it was Oxford I'm or Cambridge, sure was... but he was a linguist. Like he was okay. a language professor, like a like a master of the the English language, a master of many languages. He um he was very into Beowulf, and, okay. and so like he. I can't remember what is that. Is that old or Middle English? I can't remember what Beowulf is is originally in, but like he's it's not Gaelic, is it? No, 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 no. It's it's English. I'm I have no idea. But anyway, he could like read all that type of stuff. Okay, okay. So then he starts writing Lord of the Rings around the same, not around the same time before C.S. Lewis started writing Narnia. Correct. They were all friends. the The Hobbit The Hobbit came out before the Chronicles of Narnia, but I believe the Chronicles of Narnia came out before the Lord of the Rings. Okay. However, like Tolkien worked on Lord of the Rings for a long time, mm-hmm. like a long, long, long time. Okay, but they were all friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. which I think is just fascinating. 
Yeah, and supposedly as as the story goes, Tolkien had a big influence over trying to convince C.S. Lewis about the, the truth about God and the truth about the Bible. And that's kind of, I guess, what would help push C.S. Lewis into beginning to investigate that type of stuff. And now, who lived, led to who lived longer, Tolkien or Lewis? That's a good question. I don't know. I thought it was <clears throat> Tolkien. It could be. I'm not okay. sure. Okay. Anyway, so didn't Tolkien write an entire language for the series? Yeah, yeah. He wrote. He had a complete language for the elves. Yeah. Okay. That's a ton of time. Yeah, man. The guy, I, to- I told you he was a linguist. That was his thing, man. He loved languages. Yeah, but who makes up an entire language? Tolkien. But for a... Okay. Have, have writers today just gotten super lazy? <laughs> I don't know, man. Or, I, I got to be honest. Like, writers writers today are pretty darn good. I mean, I, I think I think a lot of them... But when was the last time you heard... JK <laughs> Nah, we got we got Josh messing up here on the podcast. <laughs> JRR, JKK. What else we got? CSS. What? CSS. Yeah, that's right. Just add an extra letter to all of them, Josh. Oh, cuz like you have HGG Wells. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll bring this back together. We're not editing this out, though. This was awesome. I was just saying, okay, so my case is, so you have Tol- Tolkien who writes not only all of these books and all this extra writing, but he creates a language. Yeah. Which people speak. That's a little too far. Now, the thing <laughs> that Tolkien mentioned, too, is that he was, even though he was all about creating this work, he wasn't invested in it in the same way as, like, super fans are. Like, he had a huge, he, he says this, he did a detachment from his, his work. It was it never became his reality or his imagination. He just liked telling the stories. Okay. And so, um, with him being a linguist, what the, a big part of the reason why I think we have the development of the Elvish language is because Tolkien's objective with Middle-earth stories in general was he wanted to create a mythology for England because he loved mythology. Like, he thought Norse mythology was fascinating. He thought Greek mythology was fascinating. But the land of England didn't have their own mythology, so why lots not? Of, lots of places don't have mythology. Why not? Why not write one? Right? I'm okay. I'm considering just starting my own American mythology. You know, just really? set set in like um, uh, the Revolutionary War era, and maybe having it like steampunk themed. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't know what I'm saying right now. I'm making stuff up. I mean, you got Hamilton that did the hip hop theme, but That's true. <laughs> dude, I totally want to. I want a steampunk. Revolutionary War era. Where did you get steampunk from? Dude, steampunk is awesome. (laughs) Dude. That is a part of culture that I will never understand. What do you mean you'll never understand it? I don't understand it. I have no... I have no reference point. And it just... It's just... It's one of those things where it's like, I don't get it. Steampunk, dude. It's, It's awesome. Like, just imagine... Um... 
So, so imagine artificial intelligence finds its way into the early industrial era, you know, and, and you got steampunk, right? You got robots, but everything's influenced by the aesthetic of the steam engine era. Just so cool. Okay, why? <laughs> why? No, no, no. The question is, why not, Josh? Steampunk is great. Anyway, I think what we were really talking about was mythology. Right. And how Tolkien wanted to develop his a mythology for England. And that was highly influential over um, Lord of the Rings. And I think that also contributes to why he would pursue making a language. Because also with mythology, you have the the linguistic aspect, right? Where where typically your mythology is in a different language than the um, vernacular. Okay. So, I, I mean, I'm just guessing at this point, but... Uh, I, the mythology thing is right. Okay. Okay. You're sure about that? So, like, can I just ask you? Yes. Have you ever, have you ever, like, played, you know where it's really popular? Steampunk's really popular oh, no, in video games. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's popular in video games. I can't remember the one really popular one. It was on the PS3, I thought. I, I never played it. So check out this game. Really cool game. It's called Steam World Dig. And I've heard of this. It's a very simple game. So basically, it's a society that's all robots. And they're all robots set in like the eight, late 1800s. It's super cool, man. It's, just, it's really cool. And anyway, Isn't you're this, this like a city builder? No, a it's, no. it's a... Uh, it's a what's considered like a metroidvania exploration game but what you do is you're digging through these mines and so the way in which the game works is you got to dig through these mines you got to collect these nodes and it's kind of like going through a puzzle and the thing is once you dig a certain way that 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 dirt will never come back so if you take if you take the wrong path down since it's like a a randomly generated map especially in the first one i think the second one it's no longer randomly generated. Like you got to figure out the most optimal way to, to get through this labyrinth of, of mine. And you got to try and get gems and stuff. I, I, the game, it's, it's really, it sounds really silly when you explain it, but the gameplay loop is super addictive. It's, it's <laughs> a ton of fun. I, I think I beat it in like, it. I think my total gameplay for the first one is like five hours. The wow. second, the second one is like 10 or whatever. Great game fantastic game you should get it it's fantastic i thought there was a city builder game that was steampunk themed oh i'm sure of it i'm sure of it in and fact i, I, I want to buy if I'm it correct it's one of the higher rated ones like it's it's rated higher than like city skyline that's what i'm saying josh steampunk it's where it's at i'm just kidding however true story kind of true story I am somewhat fascinated in trying to write like a mashup between fantasy and steampunk novel, and I think it'd be pretty cool. Interesting. So, like robots back in ancient. You Greece. know, I'm not really into the robot thing. I like I like the I like man made technology, but I don't like artificial intelligence. I just okay. I don't get it. I don't know much about it. I don't I don't know. So AI, you, AI is an interesting. Are you more of like a science fiction or a fantasy guy? More I th- sci-fi. I think we all know where I land, right? Yeah, I'm we fantasy. all know. We all okay. all know. Um, honestly, like when it comes to like movies and video games and and that kind of stuff, it's very much on the sci-fi side. But with books, I don't. I'm, I I I stay away from it. Like it's 
it's the Robin Hoods, it's the Peter Pans, it's the like if I'm gonna read fiction, it's gonna be something like that, or like Les Mis, or like I'm I'm not done with Les Mis. I'm still reading through that. That is a very long book. Victor Hugo writes for so long. I like period pieces. Okay. I like biographies. And I like nonfiction. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's yeah. It's dependent on how easy it is for me to read it. Okay. Because it's hot. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I I like um like I'm a big fan of fantasy, but I love the classics, man. I like anything. Any type of book that that does a good job of pacing the story well, as well as making you think mm-hmm. and making you process through you some know, some challenging thoughts. You know a book really I really enjoyed reading through mm-hmm. Atlas Shrugged. Ah, I want to read that. Yeah, read that. The, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of philosophical things that um, I what is it? Ayn Rand. I I can't remember. Mm-hmm. That she writes in the book, but uh, I mean, it is it is one of those it, it's one of those dystopian kind of like what if scenarios that it's kind of plausible almost. Okay, but then it gets a little it gets a little sci fi, mm-hmm. and it it's just interesting because it's I mean it's such an old book, but like even now it's like okay this could work this could yeah. actually happen it's it's an interesting. Uh, the the ending was satisfying. I will say that. Okay. After reading the entire book, it's the ending satisfying. Would you ever want to write a book? Ooh. You know, I thought about it. I know you have. Oh we're not, my god! We're not even man. gonna talk about that. Like I would, I would love to. But remember, we talked on the last podcast, right? Remember my time management <laughs> issues. I have these time management issues. I have these scheduling issues. I actually started writing one. Nice. I got three chapters in and I stopped. Dude, I started writing multiple. I can't even find the journal I was writing in. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I know where it is. <laughs> I, I, I would start writing multiple, man. Like, I'll get, mm-hmm. like, a chapter or two in and be, be, like, all into it and then life will happen and I'll be like, oh, man, I forgot where I was going with this. Let's start a new one. Then I will never finish it and part of it is I just need to be disciplined. I don't know. I think I'm a decent writer, but I'm sure everyone who writes thinks that about themselves. But- yeah. Like I started writing and it's like I had an idea <laughs> and then I was like, okay, like this could work and then I can't remember I either read a book or I saw a movie and it was like kind of what I was writing already. And I was just like, Well, that's stupid. He already beat me to the punch. Well, <laughs> stop. <laughs> so so the thing about um writing is what I have decided is that if I'm ever going to write a book, if I find out that there's a similar story to the one out there that I want to write or anything like that, because it seems like everyone just kind of beats you to the punch, right? right? Forget about it. Like, especially <clears throat> if you didn't know about it in advance. Like, whatever, finish your story. And and there's going to be there's gonna be a different way in which you tell it, a different way in which the outcome pans out or whatever. But you know what we got to do sometime, man? I got to get, we got to get my, we got to get my buddy Zach on Ooh. one of the podcasts because... We so Zach and I we used to make like little satire pamphlets back when we were in high school. Did I ever show you these? So anyway, we made these satire pamphlets, and it's kind of funny to talk about this because if you guys read my posts or you, you listen to the bi- podcast here, you probably think I'm somewhat of a serious guy, uh, which 
maybe 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 not maybe you guys just think i'm a total goof i have no idea what anybody thinks of me so I, I, that was just totally unnecessary words but now we're gonna move on and it's almost one o'clock in the morning right now and i will say this that uh, i love writing satire and and I think satire is one of my favorite things to write. Not just like I don't not as much political satire as much as like just like f- just ridiculous social commentary. Like like pointing out what it would be like if people just lived in the dumbest ways possible. It's so fun to write. It's just so fun to write. So we wrote this one pamphlet called "The Book of Ladies Men," which was just I've which heard was, of this. It was just a pamphlet all about bad advice for dating women and I, we just had such a riot making it and that's the fun thing about satire is that it's just as much fun to write as it is to I have read. a question do you have a copy of this somewhere yeah I know Zach definitely probably has a copy um, I would have to I just want to know if your it. wife has seen this I don't know I don't think so I think I tried reading it to her one time and it, and then another book we wrote we wrote another thing called The Book of Humor which was a pamphlet on trying to give people advice on how to be funny however it was just so over the top that if anybody actually did these things it would just be totally erroneous and idiotic and I just we just got such a kick we, out of writing these things can we share it to, with the kids at youth group please <laughs> I just want to see what happens now these things have never been posted on the internet so anyone who's listening to this podcast you will not find it it was only in hard fresh print and you had to pay three dollars for it back at CVCA how much money did you guys make? I think we made like so on the first one I think we made like 32 bucks okay and uh that's, it, not that, gave, that's not that bad. We gave out so many for free too. Like we gave. Why out, would you do that if you're? Because we to... just we just want people to you know oh be in goodness. on the know. Okay. And uh, wait, would John know about this? Maybe I don't know. I'm gonna ask him. I mean, it was a it was a limited print run. So basically, you <laughs> a limited print as in like you guys ran out of paper in your like, printer. <laughs> like however many copies Zach was Zach's mom was willing to get at Kinkos. That's what we had, man. Like <laughs> I think we had like 15 copies of each. You, you know just what? said we you actually, sold 32 of the actually, one. I think we made more than 32 bucks. <laughs> Here's what happened. This is a funny story. Oh, goodness. And then we got to start wrapping it up. But anyway, we we made this money. We thought we were going to be authors, whatever. People were laughing at what we were writing. And, and some some people even said like they they wanted us to do it again. Our English teacher, our AP English teacher in high school, even gave us like extra credit in class for making these things. It was pretty awesome. So anyway, we had a bunch of – we had not a bunch. Oh, my gosh. What am I saying? How much had, coffee did you drink before this? We had a little bit <laughs> – one cup we had a little bit of uh we had a little bit of money and we took it to this chinese buffet and so we brought, i don't even want to know we brought, we brought one of zach's friends with us and was, we, was decided, this a, was, we, just, we decided to pay for zach's friend and so we had enough money to cover the bill but just like barely <laughs> and so so starving guys, artists total, right there total jerk move right <laughs> So we had something like 78 cents come back and change. So we had no money for a tip. <laughs> so we just left the change. <laughs> and I think it was Zach. He left his hat inside the uh, restaurant. Oh, my goodness. So we left. We came back for Zach's hat. And his hat was missing. <laughs> it was no longer there. And we were convinced, convinced that the Chinese restaurant 
took took <laughs> took his hat as means of revenge for giving this terrible tip. Now that's probably a totally it's probably under his car thing, seat. I'm but, just gonna say that right now. But anyway, that is how we, uh, we oh my spent goodness. our first uh, paycheck. And then listen to this with the second book. We actually made more money with the book humor because at that point, you know, we're established authors a little bit bigger. At this book. <laughs> established artists, <laughs> authors. Oh my goodness. And so, so, so Zach went over to another friend of ours' house and had a little. We had a little binder, you know, one of those um, accordion type binders where we kept everything in, and the money was in there. And so he uh, left it over at a friend's house, went back to get it, money was gone. Someone stole, someone stole our book money, man. Yeah. Never, never gave it back. I mean, we got a Judge Judy case on our hands here. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we should probably get wrapped up. Actually, I would love to see that on Judge Judy. I just want to see her roll her eyes so hard when you guys bring it up. Especially a case from like 10 years ago, like back when we were minors. For like 60 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) You're bringing up a case for like $60 10 years ago. I mean, honestly, like if you sued for inflation, it'd probably still only be... Inflation and interest, it'd still only be about 80 bucks. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's, it's money, okay? Probably cost me more money to get to Judge Judy than probably I could potentially win. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could. No, 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 that would be just. Where bad. is Judge Judy based? I thought she was out east. I thought she was in like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, but just like East Coast area. Okay. I mean, it all depends. You know, she's a legit judge, right? Yes, I know yeah. she's a legit judge. And she's in, like, her 80s. Could you imagine that job? That's an awful job. What are you talking about? This is, like, the greatest job ever. It's got to be so, like... All you do is just yell at people for being idiots on national television and get paid millions of dollars a year. I guess. But at the same time, like, how much stupidity can one person listen to in a lifetime? She's been doing it for years. It... <laughs> Honestly, the people who are watching on TV can tell you the outcome of the cases. Well, okay. So, you know who reminds me of Judge Judy? Did you listen? Have you listened to the Serial podcast at all? Serial with a C or an S? S. No. No. Okay. I've listened to the one with the C. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We should start a podcast all about cereal. Like what you eat. No. Let's not. We I, would run there's out. There's so many different kinds. There's not that many kinds. There's different kinds. Maybe like four episodes worth of. What are we gonna do? There's frosted flakes and corn flakes and bran flakes and. <laughs> yeah, and do a review on each one of them. Oh my! Oh, God. by the way, we haven't done food reviews in a while because Josh is not allowed to eat anything. So oh. basically, he's not allowed to go. I'm off on a his, meal plan. He's on a and... meal plan. He's pretty strict. So if you guys want snack reviews to come back, basically, if you send us five dollars per show, <laughs> um, that covers the cost of Josh's penalty for eating off the plan. The way that it's working out is my sister and I are doing it, and if I eat off the plan, if if one of us eats off the plan for one for one meal, we owe the other person five dollars. So currently I'm twenty dollars richer, so that's great. <laughs> nice. Also, please don't send in the five dollars. I was totally kidding. Yeah, please no. Besides, anyway, you have no idea where to send it. Anyway, anyway. so serial is all about crimes, and they follow like the court proceedings and everything. Well, 
Are you okay? I can't get the breakfast food out of my head. I'm sorry. So season three, you need to listen to season three because the entire season takes place here in Cuyahoga County at the Justice Center downtown. Okay. Okay. And they follow just how the justice system works using Cuyahoga County as the perfect example because, I mean, you think about the Justice Center and if anybody's listened to the podcast, like you have the police, the police headquarters, the court system and the jail all in the same building. Okay. And you're allowed to walk around with microphones and cameras and they don't care. But uh, the second episode is called, um, is uh, you had uh, something, the, the judge that they focus on there, his name is, uh, his last name is Gall. Okay. You got some Gauls or something like that. I think is the name of the episode. And you listen to <laughs> Oh no, it gets better. You listen to him, he, it's it sounds like Judge Judy. Not not like he doesn't have a feminine voice. Just the way he talks to people sounds like Judge Judy. And it is one of those things where it's like honestly, I will never vote for him. <laughs> After listening to that, I will never vote for him. He doesn't go back on election for another six years, but I'm not voting for him when he comes back <laughs> up on the ballot. <laughs> oh, man. Josh, that is good stuff. I got to be honest, we probably should wrap it up. We're at 1617. We're at 117. We just hit the 117 threshold. We really do try and keep these around an hour. However, if you all like them to go longer, please let us know. Contact form on the website, e43collective.com. Facebook, you can let us know there. <clears throat> let us know on Facebook. Please let us know if you want them to go longer, if you want them to go shorter. Let us know things you want us to talk about. Because like I said, after Sunday discussion, we seriously, we sit down and we're just like, let's talk about stuff. Because here's the reality, and this is me getting serious, and I hope people make it to this point at the podcast. Christians live in... And we intentionally put ourselves in such if, a bubble. And we just want to talk about stuff that's outside of the bubble and be like, hey, we're Christian guys. We're totally normal. We like the same things everybody else does. Well, not all the same things, but most of the same things. And and let's have a discussion. It's family friendly. We go we goof around. We joke around. And so uh, hopefully you guys like it. If you do, let us know. If you do, share with your friends. Please give us some feedback. If you've made it this far in the podcast episode, I admire your tenacity that you just need to see this finished. (laughs) (laughs) We know we ramble, but I mean, this is just us and our normal conversations. It really is. So if anything, um, just thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to share this with your family, your friends, and everybody that you know. Check out more at e43collective.com. I should be having a blog post. Actually, there should be a blog post up now by Josh and me at this point from this week. If you would like to engage with those, please do comment on those pages. We'd love to hear your feedback on the the blogs just as much as we'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast. We know that people are listening, so please let us know how things are going, and I hope that you all have a fantastic week and a blessed day. Bye-bye.